Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by author, speaker, and one of the most followed journalists in the White House press corps. He's reported from multiple countries, including Iraq, Chechnya, China, Guantanamo Bay, and many more. His book is Countdown to Dallas. We welcome Paul Brandis. Hey, Sean, how are you? Absolutely great, Paul. Let's go be on the mic. The extended title is Countdown to Dallas, the incredible coincidences, routines, and blind luck that brought JFK and Lee Harvey Oswald together. Yes. In your book, you talk about the bungling, lack of communication, and the CYA of the CIA FBI back then. Could history be repeating itself with more bungling by multi-letter organizations? Well, there's been uh, about 50,000 pages of documents, CIA, FBI documents, that were released since the 50th anniversary of the assassination 10 years ago, but we still don't know everything. I mean, it's been six decades, Sean, and they're still sitting on some of the stuff. And uh, that just gives uh, fuel to the conspiracists who say, you know, look, uh, why is the government uh, continuing to refuse to release these documents? What are they hiding? You know, and we'll maybe we'll never know. You know, there's still thousands of things that are out there. 99% of the stuff has been released, but it's at remaining 1%. What is in there? So, yes, it's possible that uh, they're still uh, covering up. Paul, the biggest conspiracy question theorists bring up is he had help. You disagree. Why? Well, if you look at uh, some of the principal uh, claims that conspiracists make, and I respect them, first of all, because, look, after six Uh, decades, we still have all these unanswered questions and weird uh, coincidences and stuff. So you can't rule anything out. So I just want to make that clear. But if you look at some of the the principal reasons why they say that Oswald could not have acted alone, well, how did he get the job in the book depository is one of the big ones. And the reason for that is actually pretty simple. He drifted from job to job after he came back to America in 1962, the next year and a half, you know, job to job, he was fired a couple of times, uh, couldn't hold even the most uh, menial jobs. He needed a job desperately in October 63. His wife just had a second baby and all that. He really needed employment. It turns out that his wife, Marina, who is estranged from him and living in Irving, with a woman named uh, Ruth Payne. The women in that neighborhood one morning were having kind of a, you know, kind of a coffee clatch, coffee get together, all the women in the neighborhood. And the subject of Lee's unemployment and joblessness came up. One of the women at that coffee said, well, my brother Wesley just got a job at the Texas School Book Depository in downtown Dallas. I'll bet they could use another man Could you maybe you could call them? And Ruth Payne, who's living with Marina, called the guy who ran the depository and said, yes, we could use another man. I sent him down. Uh, I'll talk to him. So Lee went down the very next day, uh, talked to the superintendent, a guy named Roy Truly, uh, lied on his job application, which is in the book, said it was just out of the Marines, all these things that simply weren't true. So he got uh, hired. But what a lot of conspiracists don't know is that the Texas School Book Depository actually had two locations in Dallas. And the superintendent, Roy Truly, nearly assigned Oswald to the other location, which was nowhere near 
Dealey Plaza. It was only until he looked at sort of the workflow and everything, he decided, well, I could probably put him to better use here. It's just more to do and that kind of thing. So for folks who wonder, well, it's fishy that Oswald got this job in the depository. That would mean that the women in this coffee clutch were involved, that the superintendent of the depository was involved, that his decision to assigned Oswald to the Dealey Plaza location than the other one was fishy. All of these things together, it just doesn't, in my view, add up to a conspiracy. Just too many people, you know, conspiracies uh, run on uh, keeping secrets. The more people you have, the more the easy it is for the secret to spill out. So in this case, it, it, in my view, it just doesn't make sense. And that's just one example. It was just luck. Countdown the Dallas is the book. Paul Brandis is the author. He joins us for the Rocking Eight. Paul, all this is is eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Paul, will America ever make a serious attempt to fix their crumbling infrastructure? Uh, well, it's a giant infrastructure bill in place now. The spending is uh, beginning to trickle out, but uh, bit bit by bit, it'll get fixed, but uh, never all at once. It's it's a mess. What's the first thing in your mind when you got your first White House press credential? Uh, well, I thought this was going to be really cool. It's, uh, it's really a privilege to be in the White House. Every president since George Washington has lived there, so to walk where Jefferson and Lincoln walked and the Roosevelt and uh, Reagan, and it's just, uh, it's uh, to this day, it's still a thrill. 22 years ago, you witnessed 9-11 in New York City from your 35th floor window. Yep. How was your heart recovered from that day? You know, it took a long time. It took uh, really about uh, 10 years for me to get over it. And then all of a sudden, kind of a light switch went off. And I said, I just, I can't continue to, you know, focus on this. You got to move on. I think about it every 9-11, but I don't, uh, you know, it doesn't uh, drag me down like it. I'll never forget it but does it drag me down? Your father-in-law was sent as part of a delegation to China by President Nixon. How has he impacted your life? Well, he was really a remarkable man. He worked for Presidents uh, Nixon and Ford. He was uh, quite connected. Just the s- stories he had to tell, the uh, this kind of the ethics, the, the lessons that he taught me about uh, dealing with powerful people and all of that just, just have stayed with me. He passed about two years ago, but... His lessons live on. Paul, who do you depend on the most? Uh, I have a wife. I have a lovely 11-year-old uh, daughter who I just uh, adore. Uh, we depend on each other. We're a family. Uh, maybe maybe the corgi, the, uh, the corgi that I walk, maybe she depends on me more than anybody. <laughs> That's a great question. After North by Northwest, what's the second best Alfred Hitchcock movie? Oh, I totally agree. North by Northwest is the one. That's really tough. It could be Vertigo. It could be Strangers on a Train. Psycho is a a classic rear window dial in for murder. That is really a tough one. I'd probably say uh, Vertigo. What about you? I would say rear window. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Favorite thing to barbecue? Uh, Probably uh, New York Strip. What's the one thing you remember from prom? From my prom was how uh, terrible uh, the clothes people wore. Look, you look at those pictures now. And it's like, my God, that was what we that was what we wore. It was horrible. His book is Countdown, the Dallas, the incredible coincidences, routines, and blind luck that brought JFK and Lee Harvey Oswald together. Paul Brandis joins us for one big question. Paul, I've talked to Secret Service agent Clint Hill and gotten his memories from JFK's assassination. 
What's the one fact that still boggles you to this very day? I think the main thing is that it boggles my mind. In fact, I think there's one reason why conspiracists uh, think the way they do. And again, I agree. It's, it's impossible to think that one guy who is really a nothing like Oswald, just in the blink of an eye, six seconds, could just wipe the most powerful man off the face of the earth. It was done so quickly, so casually, that one guy could do that so easily. I think that's what, uh, it just boggles the mind. He loves grilling New York Strip, Hitchcock's North by Northwest, and wants everyone to forget the horrible clothes he wore at prom. (laughs) The book is Countdown to Dallas. Author Paul Prandis, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. My pleasure, Sean. Thank you. And that, my friends, is a Beyond the Mic Shortcut. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app.